good to have you this morning. We're going to jump into John chapter 2. As many of you know, uh, we've been in uh, John chapter 1, at least I have, for several weeks. Uh, And this actually came out uh, of something the Lord spoke to me about getting into the book of John. And um, he spoke this to me. The way he said it to me was, Robbie, I want you to get into the, I didn't hear this audibly, but this is kind of how I translated it. Um, was uh, I want you to get into the book of John, and I want, to sh- I want to strengthen your foundation of beloved. Let me say that again. He said, he said, again, this is the way I heard it. Robbie, I want you to get into the book of John because I want to strengthen your foundation of beloved. And, and so what, I think what he meant by that was he wanted to strengthen the ability for me to receive his love and as a result, give his love away. Do you know that the greatest success in the kingdom of God is your ability to receive and give away the love of God? And I've said this time and time again over the last few weeks, the, the maturity that God wants to bring to the body is a maturity of love. Colossians 3.14 says that the, the mark of true maturity is growing in love. The, the true mark of maturity is us growing in love. It's not growing in the gifts of the Spirit. It's not growing in having a bigger ministry or more people on Sunday morning. Those things are okay. But the greatest success for you and for I is to mature in the way of love, right? The greatest of the three, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love, right? So, so I think the, the Father's intention for you and for I is to grow in the way of love. And as we grow in the way of love, somebody say love. love. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? And then out of that, out of that fruit or that I would actually say, root, uh, Paul prayed, I pray that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. So I would, say, I would say it like this, the root of the Spirit is love, and the fruit that flow from the root of love is joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, long-suffering, and self-control. So it's one fruit that gives birth to sub-fruits. Love is the parent, and all the other eight following are the children. If you have love, if you grow in love, guess what? You're going to grow in joy. If you grow in love, you're going to grow in peace. If you grow in love, you're going to long-suffer. There are things that I suffer or I've been through in our marriage. Misty and I both have been through some long-suffering things, right, honey? Her more than me. I just got myself in trouble. Digging that hole, baby. Digging that hole. Grab a shovel, honey. Let's go. (laughs) But we're willing to suffer long, right? Because of love, the basis is love. And so, 
This is what Abba Father's been doing in me, and I hope and pray that he's doing this in us as he's maturing us in love. And this is how he said it. I want you to read the book of John because I want to strengthen the foundation of beloved. I want to strengthen the foundation of beloved. And again, I hope he's doing that for all of us this morning. I believe every intention of the Father is, or I'm sorry, every season we go through, the intention of the Father for, is for us to grow in love. Right? Whether it be struggle or success, pressure or promotion, he wants us to grow in love, right? Y'all get that? Does that make sense? Okay, so, so that's, that's kind of how he said it to me. So last year I got into the book of John. I began to read it chapter by chapter, kind of reading it, reading it slowly at first, and then I read it again slowly and so I've been kind of letting just some of John's language get in me and uh, uh, Jeff alluded to this I think when you taught at least you and I have had this conversation that John has a way uh, with words and with concepts that I believe and he he and I both were John fans we're like John junkies (laughs) Uh, that really communicates the passionate loving heart of Abba Father and, and so, you know, it's just so astounding. Again, I could just go on and on about that, and I won't. But John has a way with words and concepts and ideas that I believe that the others, uh, not because they're bad or they're wrong, obviously the, all the word is, is, is inspired and is good to, to read, but John just has a way with communicating uh, the Father heart of God. Do you, do you know that the word Father as it relates to, to God is mentioned about almost 500 times in the New Testament? And in the book of John alone, it's mentioned 118 times. So 27 books of the New Testament, about 500 times the word Father is used in relation to God, Right? which is what Jesus came to reveal. Jesus came out and said, I come to reveal the Father, right? Abba Father, the one that he was, in, he was in face-to-face relationship with. He came to show the world that there is a Father. And the Father's not ticked off wanting me to come and talk him into liking you. He's actually sent me to talk to you about how he likes you. I need to say that again. I didn't plan on saying that. He didn't come to talk him into liking us. He came to talk us in to how much he likes us. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good cop and bad cop. Like Jesus is holding off the Father. I know you're really ticked off and you've got the gavel in your hand and the black robe on your back and you're sitting on a lofty throne waiting to just strike somebody down. If they just mess up, I'm going to, by God, I'm going to kill. No, hold on, Father. Hold on. They're good people. This is the gospel I inherited, not in home, but in the church, was Jesus was the good guy. The father was just a little bit mad and a kind of just, uh, you know, one writer, C. Baxter, calls him fickle. He was fickle, just ready just to, you know, go over the edge. But thank God for Jesus. He talked the father out of you know, doing what he was going to do. No, beloved, he talked us in to how good he is. And this is why relationship is so important 
It's not just about theological information. John hits at the heart in 1 John. He says, we've seen him, we've heard him, we've touched him with our own hands. You know what that means? John's writing from the place of encounter, not the place of information. We need a generation who writes from the place of encounter, not information. We need beloveds, John the beloved, who said, the Father, Jesus, what did he say? I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And I've flown by that verse time and time again, and, and last time I read it, I started weeping. I stopped and I said, that is so profound. I used to think John was a hothead, right? Like, he's kind of bragging on himself, Right? He knows all the other disciples are going to read his gospel. Maybe. Think about it. Think about this. If we're in a group, Daniel, you and I are writing about Jesus, and I start writing about how Jesus really loved me. And I know you're going to read it. You know, I mean, it's kind of awkward, right? It's awkward to read that. It's like, dude, what's up? You know? I don't think that's what's happening. I think John was able, mature in love, was able to receive the affections of Abba Father to the point that he was able to mention Abba Father 118 times in 22 chapters. <laughs> what? Come on, man. Man, we need a revelation of Abba Father. Man, we need a revelation of Abba Father. And that's what Jesus came to restore, was the image of Abba Father. And John calls him in John chapter 1, he is the light in the darkness. He is the light in the darkness. The light's not a thing, it's a person. That's why God said when he said, let there be light, he wasn't creating a thing. He was speaking forth who he was into the earth. Interestingly, the light of the sun and the moon and the stars actually didn't appear until day four. So what light is he talking about? He's talking about the revelation of who he is. Faith being a person, he spoke, he said, I like to say it this way. Then God said, let there be me. The substance we want, the, substance, the faith we want. In other words, I don't want my faith, I want his faith. When I'm faithless, he's faithful. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's him living in me, and I live by faith of the Son of God. The fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of walking out all that he's promised us is when you and I can actually give expression to who he is in us. Faith is not me building something, a resolution, like I'm going to say no to sin or I'm going to you know, do all these things that faith does. It's not me building my own faith independent of him. It's actually me surrendering to the point that he begins to live his life through me. It's that face within a face. It's that hand within a hand. It's those legs within a leg. Okay, so let's look at John chapter 2. I'm wasting, I'm not wasting time. Sorry. I do have myself on a, on a countdown clock, so I've got 35 minutes to talk about what I feel like God said. 
Are y'all laughing? What are y'all laughing for? Y'all act like I go over 45 minutes every time, right? Okay, so let's look at John chapter 2. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard and then uh, some out of the, the, the Passion Translation. So, uh, verse 1, let's go to John chapter 2. I think Rakai is going to have these up on the screen for us as well. We love our media team, don't we? They're just doing an amazing job. So, okay. And I'm going to do some commentary uh, on the first five verses. And then after that, I want us to get into what I want to talk about more today. I want to talk about the God who shares. God, the God who shares. Okay, so verse 1. And on the third day, how many knows that Jesus loves third days? He loves to interrupt third days, right? There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. I want you to circle this. Again, I'm giving commentary. I want you to circle the word wedding. The first miracle that Jesus did was in the context of union. The first miracle that Jesus did in revealing his glory was in the context and the setting of union, oneness, marriage, fellowship. You, you, you can fill in the blank. That's the context of this, of this uh, account. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and, and his disciples to the wedding. When the, when the wine ran out, let me know that before Jesus came, the wine ran out. The earth was, was, that, was without wine. What a great setting for Jesus to come. People had lost their joy. People had lost sight of who Abba Father was. The earth was, was without wine. It's time to sing the wedding song. The old covenant is dead and gone. It's time to sing the wedding song. You're married to the Lamb forever. It's a little song the Lord gave us on a prayer room set on a Friday morning. It's time to sing the wedding song. The old covenant, the old wine is gone. <laughs> I'm getting messed up with this stuff, man. It's time to sing the wedding song. Married to the Lamb forever. Maybe the marriage supper of the Lamb is not something we have to wait on. He said, eat my body, drink my blood. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Maybe the marriage supper of the Lamb isn't something we wait on. It's something we can partake day by day. Paul said, my body's decaying, but my spirit man is being renewed day by day. Just a thought. That one got me in trouble. Okay, so um, verse 2, Jesus was invited, so were his disciples. Verse 3, and the wine gave out. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Big problem, right? And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, 
whatever he says to you, do it. Have you ever read this story in between verse 4 and 5? Have you ever read that before? Let's read it again. And Jesus said to her, woman, don't ever say that to your wife, okay? <laughs> I would actually put in beloved. Mary is Miriam, a form of Miriam. It actually means beloved or loved. Lover, beloved, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Jesus makes this statement. My hour is not here. It's not here yet. Mary, do you understand that? Verse 5, something happens between these two verses. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. How many have mothers like that? You say something and they're like, yeah, whatever. Hey, by the way, typical mother. I think there's something going on here. There's something that happens between verse 4 and verse 5. Jesus says, hey, uh, the Jewish idiom would be, what to you and to me? The Jewish idiom, it's an idiom, like we have idioms. We have idioms like, and idioms are things that communicate a thought or a concept that, that is between, you know, a, nas- a, a certain group of people. In other words, Americans have, Americans have idioms, right? Uh, how many ever said, I'm head over heels? Somebody else from another nation comes and says, what in the heck? Head over heels. Is he falling over, a, you know, down a cliff? What's going on? Two peas in a pod, right? Idioms. And this was an idiom that that actually the original translation would say that, that, that Jesus said to her, what to you and to me? This Jewish idiom shows up throughout the Old Testament. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I want to, I want to, I want to paint a picture of what's going on here. What we say, the setting of John chapter 2 was what? A wedding, union, marriage, right? Oneness, that's the setting. Okay, so what to you and to me? I've heard this taught, or I've at least heard this communicated, like Jesus was frustrated with Mary. Right? Like, oh, you're bothering me. Right? And when we, when we read Luke 18 through an unredeemed lens and that we are the beloved, we think that we have to bother God to get an answer. Luke 18 talks about the widow who knocks on the door, who keeps knocking until the judge says, finally, I'll give it to you. Jesus said, if, if, the fa- if, if an unjust judge will do that, what will the father do? Right? He wasn't saying the father is a judge with a gavel in his hand. He was saying that the father is so much better than you can imagine to the point that you don't have to beg. Jesus said, you're no longer slaves. You're my friends. Right? This is the friend of the Lord. This is beloved Mary calling on her son. Right? And, and, and what to you and to me? You can go to Joshua chapter 15, and that same term, what to you and to me, shows up when Caleb promises that if anyone uh, uh, takes over a piece of land, I'll give you my daughter as, as, as a wife. There was a guy, I can't remember his name, who took over that land. Caleb gives uh, uh, his daughter to this man who took over this land. And when, when Caleb's daughter comes to him to ask him for more land, he says, what to you and to me? It's all about the bridal identity. The point is, is that the what to you and to me, in other words, Jesus was saying, how can I serve you? He wasn't like, woman? Oh, dang, I wish you'd get out of my face. 
You know, that's not what's happening here. Jesus' kind, tender heart of Abba is saying, what can I do? How can I serve you? Do you think Jesus was surprised that they ran out of wine? You think about, think about this for a minute. It wasn't like Jesus was like, oh, man, I shouldn't have been here. Dang it. I think he went there knowing what was going to happen, and he's like, I hope they ask me. Jesus said, my time has not yet come. But you know what happens outside of what we would call chronos time? Chronos is the chronological time. Right? Right now it's, a, it's 11.35. It'll soon be 11.36. 11.45, 11.50. 11. time moves in a linear fashion, right? But there's, there's, there's another form of time that the Bible calls a kairos time. And it's when that the Father breaks in to chronos, chronological time with breakthrough that only he could come through. He could only do and he could only bring breakthrough. This is what's happening. Time's moving along. They run out of wine. Jesus walks up into that party. This is my own opinion. I think Jesus was like, I hope they ask me. Even though my time may not be, it may not be the right time to beloved, it's always the right time. Let me, let me say it this way. There are things that God will do only in the context of belovedness that he will not do outside of belovedness. Do you know David, whose name means beloved, passionate, fiery, lover of God? You know his name means beloved? Do you know that he actually tapped into something that was way ahead of his time? David introduced the nation of Israel to what it looks like to worship Yahweh out, uh, uh, apart from animal sacrifice. He implemented something in the nation of Israel that would not even be a thought until a thousand years later. David saw into the future. Beloved saw into the future. He goes, I'm going to bring that into now. He interrupted chronological time with a Kairos moment. Why? Because he spoke the language of beloved. When you get close to the heart of the Father, he begins to interrupt time with visitations of himself that only could happen as you love him. Does that make sense? And I think that this is, this is happening. And, and he goes, what to you and to me that my time has not yet come? Mary goes, we're out of wine. Before we know it, Mary's telling the servants, get ready. Do what he, do what he tells you to do. I, I also believe... That, that father, when Jesus asked her, perhaps Jesus said, my, my, my hour has not yet come. But I believe the father remembered Mary's yes. Do you know he remembers your yes? Do you know that he loves and remembers your yes? Maybe Jesus, when he said, my hour has not yet come, maybe he started to turn away 
But him and the Father were like, we can't forget that, yes. (laughs) Something happens. The moment shifts. There are some of you in this room that maybe you feel like your breakthrough isn't coming. And I want to encourage you this morning. He has not forgotten your yes. You've waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. God remembers your yes. Even a weak, immature, broken, frail yes, he remembers. Just maybe some of the things I perhaps were happening. Just a thought. So let's look at verse 5. Let's, let's move into, I want to talk a little bit about sharing. Verse 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Everybody say, listen to mama. Listen to mama. Mama speaks up. You've got to listen, right? Verse 6. Now there were six stone water pots set there for Jewish customs of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Verse 7, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots up to the brim. Right? How many knows Jesus is enough and more than enough? Amen? And he said to them, draw, out, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. Verse 9, when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom. Verse 10, and said to him, every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Come on. That's why you turn the water into wine. To show that you get sweeter with time. It's another song, sorry. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but just notice something, something very interesting that happens in this story. And maybe you've seen this before. This, this really is what I want to talk and hit on today. Although Jesus could have walked into that moment and stolen the show, and in his wisdom and his ability to see what was truly going on and able to see prophetically, he could have stolen the show. I like to read the Gospels sometimes, especially when it's talking about Jesus. And I like to insert myself into the story and ask myself, how would I respond in a, in a moment where Jesus respond? But where Jesus did something, how would I respond? And as I was reading this story, I, w- I was asking myself, how would I respond? How would we respond? How would a lot of Christians respond? I had the thought, maybe some of us would have walked up in there, been like, oh, 
I'm here to save the day. Superman shirt, you know? I don't know. But Jesus, oh, he's so awesome. This shows how that God is a God who shares. He waits until Mary asks him, and then he doesn't go and do it. He actually calls, through Mary, calls the servants to do it. And then he doesn't get up and announce, I've turned the water into wine. What does he do? He lets the servants go to the head waiter, the head waiter. Jesus is, you know, Jesus is sitting back watching this happen, right? Jesus is, I mean, he knows he could steal the show, right? And that's what we want. We want Jesus to steal the show. That's what the disciples wanted. The disciples wanted Jesus to come and overturn Rome. You know, take over everything, blow them up, <laughs> no more Rome. Yee! Jesus came in a fashion that they did not recognize, right? Right? They missed the visitation, right? He says, you're reading the scriptures, and you don't even know that I'm standing right in front of you. You read the Bible, and you don't even know the logos is standing right in front of you. Hello? Why? Because they're looking for something grandiose and, 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 and tanks and guns and, you know, blow them up and kill them, and let's take over the throne of David. Jesus came washing feet. Jesus came serving. Jesus came dying. Jesus came in agape, what I would call agape love, which is other-centered, self-giving love. This is the way of Jesus, right? And this is what's happening. Jesus could have stepped into that party and been like, all right, boys, you know, here we go. But no, he chooses weak, broken people, servants, what the Bible would call servants, to do his bidding in the earth. Do you know that he shares his glory with you? Do you know that he shares his glory with you? Look at this, verse 3. The mother of Jesus said to him. Jesus didn't say, you know, he didn't see Mary coming. Mary, I know what you're getting ready to say. He let her talk. Verse 5. Whatever he says to you, the servants, do it. Verse 7, they filled up the water pots to the brim. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus says, hey, get some water pots, whatever. You know, Mary's just operating under the leadership of Jesus, and she's like, fill up the pots. He's sitting back, letting them get involved. He's actually not sitting back. He's partnering with them. That's what he does. Verse 8, he said to them, Draw out some now. Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. The fact that Jesus included the servants doesn't point out their strengths, but rather it reveals the goodness and the kindness of Abba Father. To include humanity in the process while allowing earthen vessels, you and me, to participate in the unveiling of the Son, this is grace in action. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, talking about God who shares in his glory, says, For his divine power has granted to us everything. Somebody say everything. everything. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Do we have that, Rekiah? Thank you. For his divine power has granted to us just a little bit, just enough to get by. Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Watch this. So that by them you may become partakers, partakers of the divine nature. That word partakers is where we get partner or companion or, or, or one who fellowships. That word partaker is koinonos, koinonos, I think I'm saying that right. It's from the family of the word koinonia. How many's ever heard the word koinonia? What does koinonia mean? Jeff, what does koinonia mean? Fellowship. Fellowship with God, fellowship with one another, right? As we enter into that circle of Father, Son, and Spirit by the work of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, guess what? We're not just in fellowship with them. We're also in fellowship with one another. We're in koinonia. This is the same family of words that we are sharing in the delight, in the joy of Abba Father. Come on, somebody. That's a good place for an amen. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share, that we may have fellowship, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the God who shares. He is a sharer. In this story, Jesus steps back and lets the servants do the work under his leadership. Beautiful. This is grace in action. The Father has always been sharing his life with mankind since the beginning. He prepared a promised land with milk and honey for his children to enjoy. The God who shares had Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. Right? Yahweh didn't prophesy to the bones. Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. Read the story. It's all about questions. Do you think they can live? Ezekiel, they can live. Let me do my thing. No. Ezekiel, can they live? He's probably like, well, you know the answer. Yeah, but I want you. I want you to release my glory. That was such good preaching, I'm setting off alarms. <laughs> Jesus sent out the 70 to represent him, to represent him. He's a share. And then they come back, and, and, you know, they're all excited. James and John are like, man, we can call down fire. I think that's the story. Something like that. But one, one spot, you know, they're like, oh, we're, we're doing such amazing things. We're sharing in the glory of Jesus, which is an exciting thing. And they're like, yeah, we just want to call down fire on heaven. They're, he's like, no, no, listen, listen, guys, come on. He redirects that passion to the way it should be. The old covenant says in Isaiah, it says, he will not share his glory with another. 
I was reading that one day, and he said, Robbie, you're not another. You're my beloved. Luke's not another. He's my son. Olivia is not another. That's my beloved daughter. I won't share my glory with another. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about idols, false images. I won't share my glory with them. They're, 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 they image nothing. That's why the people become stiff-necked is because they stared at calf all day. Well, calves have, you ever, you ever been on a calf before? They got some stiff necks. They became stiff-necked because they were looking at that which was stiff-necked. You become what you behold. I won't share my glory with that. That's not me. I'm not a calf. I'm the Lord of all-consuming fire. I'm Yahweh. I'm Father. I'm Jehovah's sick canoe. I'm righteousness. I am breakthrough. I love that when Ryan said that last week. I'm like, yes, you are breakthrough. I'm not waiting for provision. I have provision. It's called Jesus. He is my provision. And he'll take care of all that needs to be provided for. He is a sharer. Write these verses down. We won't read all of these, but write these down for later. John 17, verse 6. I'm going to give you a few in John 17. You can read these later to show that Jesus, the last prayer that Jesus would pray to the Father, it's the longest prayer in Scripture. It's what it sounds like when Abba Father is praying through, when God the Father is praying through God the Son, and they're fellowshipping, and Jesus is asking the Father to do some stuff. Read these later. It's all about Jesus and the Father sharing their glory with you. Verse 6, John 17, verse 6. John 17, verse 8. John 17, verse 10. Verse 13. Verse 21. Verse 22. Verse 26. The prayer, a lot of it is about them sharing their life with you. Y'all see this? Y'all getting this this morning? This is God. I begin to think about this, and I, I um, kind of laughed reading these over after I wrote them, but I've, I've identified some lies that we believe, some lies that we even confess in the church that wars against the good news of sharing. Are you all ready for this? There are some lies that we believe and we say in the church, and you're, some of you may say, well, Robbie, it's just language. Do you know how important language is? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, language is big to God. God said, let there be light. God said, God said, God said, language is huge because it reveals a deeper level of, of what we trust in or what we believe. Well, Robbie, we may just say, no, I, I think that the Abba Father is re, Phil talked about this. He's giving us new language. If it's a new day, it requires a new language. We're going into places eye has not seen and ear has not heard. And what's something you have to do when you move to a new land? Learn the language. If you don't, you'll be lost. We're going into places eye has not seen, ear has not heard. And that's not going to heaven. I'm not waiting to die to get something. I'm already, I've already died in him and now I'm alive in him. If we say that it takes death to do heaven, if it takes death to cross the, to cross the threshold of heaven, death is our Lord, not Jesus. If we say death is why we enter into heaven, death is the answer, not life. 
That one got me in trouble too. But it's true. We enter the kingdom of God by the man who died and rose, and now we live in him, and now we enjoy all that he enjoys as he shares in union with the Father. God shares. These are three lies. You ready? I've got seven minutes. That is so impossible. Number one, you've said this before, I'm sure. I've said it many times. God uses us. <laughs> Let me ask you, how many in this room's ever been used? Another question, how many in this room like to be used? John, come on, man, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. If I use something, if I use a tool, if I'm using a shovel to dig a ditch, I'm not having fellowship with that tool. Somebody comes and looks at that ditch that I dug, I don't start giving the glory to the shovel I give the glory, I get the glory. Maybe. Right? I don't have fellowship with that shovel. I'm not like, oh, you know, it's not none of that. It's not, it's not. God does not use us. God partners with us. God shares with us. I don't want to be used. I want to partner with his heart. Are y'all hearing this? God is not some distant, narcissistic deity exclusive in the joy of life. He is a friend. He's a father. He's a shepherd who wants to share in life with his creation. I used to do this a lot. I'd lead worship or whatever, do ministry. People would come up. You've had it happen probably before. Somebody would come up and say, man, good job, Robbie. How many ever had that happen? We've got a preacher over here, pastor. Good job. Good job, Robbie. I used to be like, Oh, it wasn't me. They're like, no, I'm pretty sure you were up there. <laughs> it wasn't that good. <laughs> back up and preface it. It wasn't that good. And the father began to deal with me about this because I wasn't able to receive an affection from somebody else that was trying to give it. And do you know that it's as important to receive as it is to give? You're a river, not a pond. Out of your belly shall be ponds. No. Out of your belly shall be flowing rivers. Rivers move and cycle, right? God's kingdom is a circle. What have we been talking about? God deals in circles. Why? Because everything came out of the circle of Father, Son, and Spirit. Their fellowship with one another, they weren't like beside each other like, hey, how you doing? Good. Okay, good. Let's go change the world. Okay. No, they were face to face. The Bible says that in the beginning was God, and, and the word uh, in the beginning was the word. The word was with. That word with is pros. It means face to face. Total communion and sharing. And out of that, you and I were born. And that's where you come from. You don't come from your mama. Your mama was just just manifest what was already a reality in the father's heart. Right? Are y'all with me this morning? God doesn't use us. God partners with us. He wants to mow the yard with you. He wants to raise the kids with you. He wants to go to work with you. He wants to sit on the beach with you. He wants to sit on the back porch with you. Misty took a picture on vacation. I wish I had this picture. Rakaia, if you can go to my Facebook page and find one of the last pictures. I've got three minutes. Oh, God. Uh, I want him to see this picture. Misty took this picture. It was myself, uh, Luke, and Olivia. You remember the picture? And we were walking towards... Uh, <clears throat> 
we walk into the shore. Mm. Ah, this gets me. And she took this picture and sent it to me. It's me and Luke and Olivia, and we're just walking. And she sends this picture to me, and I open it up, and he, he bombards me. He's like, that's me. That's how I feel about you. <laughs> that's how I feel about you. <laughs> I just want to be with you, Robbie. I'm not asked. See, we all think that when we get saved, it's time to get to work. I say when we get saved, it's time to get to rest. The first day on the job for Adam was rest. <laughs> right? <laughs> day one, what do I do, Lord? Rest. Really? Seriously? <laughs> you want me to rest? And watch, out of that rest, you will be fruitful and you will multiply. Jesus took the kingdom and went, or the kingdom of the world, and he goes, boop. That's the way I operate. If you want to be great, you've got to be least. If you want to be ruler, you've got to serve. And nobody knew what to do. What do you do with that? A king who serves. There's no other religion in the world in which the gods washes the feet of the servants. Think about it, right? All religions, every religion other than Christianity, and we've thought Christianity was this, was about us doing things to the point that we finally please the Father. You know what you call that kind of master who demands labor from their servants? More specifically, Pharaoh. The Lord took that word this morning and put it in front of my eyes. I text Ryan when, as soon as I saw it. Pharaoh, and he took that P-H-A-R. And then I saw Pharisee. Pharaoh, Pharisee. That's why Jesus rebuked the Pharisees is because they were trying to demand labor for reward. If you'll do, 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 just get busy, boys. Please the Father, and you'll be good. Jesus said, that's Pharaoh. I don't like it. I'm Moses. I'm the greater Moses. I'm coming to tear that kingdom down. <laughs> What's another lie we believe? Are y'all with me? Are you offended yet? Okay. Number two, another one, is I need to get out of the way. How many ever said that before? I just need to get out of God's way. I get it. I get what people are saying. I need to move out of his way. But if I move out of his, if I move out of this marriage... <laughs> It's not a marriage. He doesn't want to get us out of the way. He wants to get us in the way. You know the, you know the early church? They were called followers of the way. We need to get his way. And I don't mean that we block what he's doing. I say that we actually become what he wants us to be, that we would then begin to demonstrate his ways into the earth. That's the way the Father works. He shares in life with us. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And if I'm moving out of the way, I can't be part of those higher thoughts, those, those other ways. But instead, I like what C. Baxter Kruger said. He says, we need to take sides with Jesus 
against anything that keeps us from seeing who he is and who we are. We need to take sides with Jesus. We don't need to get out of the way. We need to actually join with him in taking sides. The last one, the last lie that we, we believe is the sacred and secular dualism. How many of you ever thought like this? Like as long as you're working at church or you're doing something spiritual, it's important. I'm raising my hand. How many has ever been there? Let's just be honest. How many in this room have thought, if I'm doing something at church or if I'm doing something spiritual, if I'm fasting, if I'm praying, if I'm reading my Bible, then it's really important. But if, but if not, then I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of secondary. Or, you know, my job, you know, it's like God doesn't really like that job. He's not really, like, delighting in that job. So I'm just going to endure it until I go to church, and then he finds delight in me. No, that's not the way the Father is. The Bible says that we're in Christ, he's in us. So if that means that we're one in everything that we do. Right? Paul said, whatever you do, do unto the Lord. Whatever you do, raising kids, changing diapers, going to work, whatever, painting a fence, going to the beach with my children, do it as unto the Lord. It brings pleasure to the Lord. He loves details. Do you know that he loves details? He loves details. I'm going to tell this story and then we're going to close. A few years ago, I've got two stories. I don't know which one to tell. Luke, you pick. Should I tell about the turkey last night or should I tell about the sport track a few years ago? Okay, exactly. You know, Turkey. Okay, he doesn't know about the sport track. I need to tell you that story. So last night, uh, yesterday, Misty was going to Lexington with some friends. So it's just me and the kids. And so I wake up. I'm like, hey guys, what do y'all want to do today? Let's hang out. Let's just, you know, whatever. And uh, what do y'all want to do? Of course, Luke's got a full schedule. He's the busiest guy ever. He's busier than I am. So I'm like, oh man. But it was good stuff. He was part of a worship team doing some stuff, you know. And uh, it was really cool, really, really great thing. And so we're like, okay, awesome. I'm like, man, I, I want to spend some time with him. So he was going to be done about 6, 6.30. So we picked him up. And uh, on the way home, I'm thinking, man, I want to spend, and me and Olivia had already spent some time together. And I'm thinking, I just, I'd love to just hang out with Luke today. But, but our yard is really tall right now. <laughs> We had someone else mow it last week, and I, I hate the way they mowed it. I hope they're not watching. <laughs> well, it's just not my, the way I mow a yard. So it's been killing me. So I'm like, man, we need to mow the yard. Luke mows it, and I usually do the trimming. And so I'm thinking, man, I want to spend time with him. I'd like to play a, a board game or play basketball, something. But, man, we got stuff to do. How many ever felt like that? Yeah. You just want to be. You just want to relax. But you got so much to do. And that's how I felt. I need to mow this yard. And so I'm like, I finally decided, let's mow the yard, right? So I go, I'm like, Luke, uh, Dad had had our lawnmower on vacation getting the blades sharpened. So uh, it was over at his house. So I had to leave my house, go get the trailer and get the lawnmower. When I get over there, 
I look out in the field to the right of his house, you, you that have been there, there's a big field down below his house. I look out, and there are four turkey in the field. In December, I bought Luke a gun, a shotgun, a 12-gauge shot. I killed myself, Hunter, finding this gun. And Gary was part of this. I'm calling him. I'm like, Here, okay, so check this out. It is, a, it is a male. You can kill males, so you can see the beard. Just cover our tracks. <laughs> the ranger would be calling after church, be like, oh, what's up? You're going to jail. Okay, great. Um, so I go over, and, I, I, and so I, I send him a picture. I'm like, Luke. Now, we've always heard in, uh, because of YouTube, thank God for YouTube, that turkey are really hard to find, aren't they, Luke? Aren't they, Hunter? They're really smart. Uh, either they have great eyesight or great hearing or both, you know. Yeah, great eyesight. So they're hard to sneak up on. They're hard to kill, okay? So keep that in mind. So we, I, see, and I send this picture to actually send it in a group text to Ryan, Ryan, Luke, Kanan, Dad, and, and uh, somebody else. Maybe just been us four. That's five. And I'm like, gosh, check this out. Ryan's like, shoot it, you know, or something. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't carry a gun. I just don't. I don't carry a gun. Some of y'all carry 15. I, I don't carry any <laughs> except for these two. Um, So Luke, Luke texts me. He's like, Dad, we need to go get these, de- or these uh, turkey. I'm like, oh, man, we got them on the yard. Here we go, right, to-do list. <laughs> oh. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. Let's just find these turkey. So I go home and get them. He didn't have a car. His car broke down yesterday morning. So he's, he's, he's without a car. Yes. I can, I can have them all to me. And uh, so I go home and get them. We come back, and I'm thinking on the way here, there's no way. I, I have a bright red shirt on. They have great eyesight. I'm wearing blue jeans and my sp- I mean, I'm not sneaking up on anything, much less a really smart turkey, okay? So we get there, and Luke's got his can- I get to the house to pick him up, and I'm like, this, this messed me up. Like, I'm like, yeah, let's just go. Let's go get this turkey. So I get home, and he's all dressed in his stuff. He's got a camouflage. He's got a camouflage gun. <laughs> they make camouflage guns. He's got everything sitting on the back porch. He's ready to go. So excited. <laughs> That'll mess you up. Mm. I don't know why, but it does. It messes me up. We jump in the truck. We get in the truck, and I'm like, God, give us favor with turkey. <laughs> Seriously. We had a prayer meeting around catching turkey. I promise. So we leave the house. We get there, and I'm thinking on the way there. I didn't tell Luke because he's excited. I'm thinking there's no way in Sam I, we're getting a turkey today. It ain't going to happen. Right, Hunter? And, and, you know, bright red shirt, blah, blah, blah. We get there, we get out of the truck. We're walking down the, down the road. Dad's road, uh, or that, that section of the road that was down to where they were, we, we got out of the truck. They had moved down to the creek a little bit further down, but they were still, John, I'm thinking, all right, we're going to get these guys, okay? But I'm thinking also thinking it ain't going to happen just because of what the, who they are. So, so we're walking down, and as we're walking, they're running the other way. <laughs> I'm like, we blew our cover, Luke. Luke saw camouflaged, I'm not. We chase these turkey. We don't chase them. We walk. We find this trail, and we go down this trail, and I'm walking thinking there's no way we're going to. The trail was covered in leaves. Every time, yeah, every time you walk, shh, 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 you don't only see us, you really hear us, right? Luke goes, Dad, 
There's one right here. I think you said something like that, maybe. He spotted one. I'm thinking, now Luke's a jokester. He's kind of like me. He loves to just pull your chain. So I'm thinking, he's lying. There ain't no deer. There ain't no turkey up there. He's like, Dad, pulls his gun up. I'm like, dude. <laughs> Boom! Just the loudest shotgun ever. He's like, I got it. I'm thinking, I told Dwayne last night, I'm thinking, no. Luke's a jokester, right? Dad, I got him. I'm like, yeah, okay. Luke, are you, are you serious? That's what I'm saying. He's like, Dad, I got him. He was over on the hill. I couldn't see what was going on. And uh, we get over there. I, ch- I, I follow Luke. I, I'm running up the hill. We get down there, and, and you know, we take care of the turkey. We carry it back, and we clean this turkey. Uh, no, I don't get, I don't get tore up about turkey. What I get tore up about is Abba Father loves details. I didn't have time in my schedule for a turkey hunt, but he wanted time in my schedule for a turkey hunt. When we were walking back, Luke said to me, he said, Dad, this is the best day of my life. You know what that did to me as a dad? Forget the yard. Who gives a crap? My son is happy. He's getting glory. He's sharing in my joy. Do you see how this works? This is, this is how this thing works, man. If you think your earthly father's good, you think about how good he is. We got stuff to do, but he's got better things to do. He wants to see us smile. Stand with me. I want to pray over us. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you serious, Jesus? The life and the joy that you and the Father and the Holy Spirit share, you've called me into that? Are you serious? Father, I ask right now, as we've prayed before, as we've prayed so many times here at the house of prayer, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, especially as it relates to you being a God who shares. Father, I break off any shame right now. I break off any religious spirit that would lie to us and say, God will accept you as long as you do this, 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 and this, and this. I want to encourage you, put your to-do list away and behold him. Do you feel that this morning? Do you feel that? Do you feel the affection of Abba Father? (laughs) Are you kidding me? You would choose me, immature, broken, weak, Robbie, me. Are you kidding me, Father? Are you kidding me? You were in Christ, Abba Father, reconciling me back to the Father. Are you kidding me? You are so good. You are so good. Pray this with me. Say, Lord. Open my eyes to see the Father more clearly. Let's pray it again. Say, Lord Jesus, the perfect Son, 
beloved son, open my eyes to see, to see the Father more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.